Well, thank you very much and welcome. Uh, first, I'd like to begin by saying that Connected Cities, although extremely ambitious, is not originally my idea. It's the idea of a colleague of mine called Oliver Christofferson, who's now moved to the next world. Um, and I'm picking up his ideas, carrying them forward, and I trust uh, allowing them to happen. It's a global ambition because there is a huge growth predicted. This is the figure that's given by the uh, UN for global growth. All these people have to go somewhere. India is soon, within five years, going to become the most populous country in the world. And we know from experience that uh, it's possible to reduce carbon emissions in energy generation. It's possible to produce carbon, reduce carbon emissions uh, in housing, building, industry, but it's very difficult to do it in transport because transport demand keeps growing all the time. So the core idea of connected cities is that you build within walking distance of public transport, and broadly that is permanent way public transport. On the whole, that tends to be railway stations. And so the proposal is that all development is focused within ped sheds, which are one kilometre in radius, and they're centred on railway stations. However, within these ped sheds, uh, what the focus is to encourage walking and cycling above all. And as we discovered this morning in here, the weather tends to be quite inclement a lot of the time. It's either too hot or it's too wet or it's too windy. <coughs> And so the proposal is to assist walking and encourage people not to use cars, which of course are a controlled environment, by providing a public controlled environment with protective walkways, which was part of uh, Ebenezer Howard's original idea for garden cities. The problem was that it was never put into effect because it costs money. Fortunately now, however, we have transparent glass which can generate electricity, and they can fund within a period of 10 to 20 years, the infrastructure cost of introducing this. So, Howard's core idea was the garden city of about 30,000 people. So, these are approximately 30,000 people settlements. He wanted them, however, to be linked together into a social city with a core of around about 60,000. And these should be linked by electric railways, that was his idea, and a canal, although the canal has slightly drifted out of the conversation since. However, when he wrote, uh, the population of the UK was 40 million. The huge interwar expansion of the cities hadn't occurred. And unfortunately now, because we have a population of about 65 million, there really isn't any space anywhere where you can plonk down a large development like this without impacting dramatically on everybody who's already there. So Connected Cities takes the existing rail network and the existing settlement network and it reorganises it using this principle. Um, so there is a hub town, which is this, which is the largest settlement, and there are sister towns, which are existing settlements around it, and together, uh, oh, and the, trans the travel time between the hub and the most extended sister town is a maximum of 15 minutes. Uh, however, within this, development is only permitted within the ped sheds. 
So here's an example uh, of a connected city. This is the hub town. These are our sister towns. Development around existing railway stations, all the yellow ones are existing, creates town growth zones. Development out elsewhere is not encouraged. It's certainly not encouraged on the periphery. The green <coughs> represent opportunities for development around new railway stations, but they only allowed to occur at the point where the railway crosses the edge of the existing town. So they serve, these new stations serve the periphery of the town and thereby make the town smaller. The third option is an entirely new settlement on a piece of track between two existing settlements. And you can call them garden cities. We call them new green towns simply for simplicity's purposes. But all the core ideas that Philip talked about should apply to them. Now, all of these pedsheds have the same basic principles, which is that at the centre, adjacent to the railway station, you have a high-density mixed-use area. Either side of the railway, you have commercial, industrial, educational uses and so forth. And the family housing is in villages of about 5,000 people, thereabouts. Um, and all this is focused on the railway station. And the, these yellow lines represent walkways, just as a grand strategy. In reality, there would probably be more. Um, so here's an example applying these principles to Hitchin. Now, that would be the new core, but Hitchin already has an existing town centre, and a very good one too. So the principle is to link these two together by what is called a MAL, which is a public transport walkable area, somewhat similar to Oxford High Street, I don't know if anybody knows that, um, which would be mixed and use development, so that these two elements grow together. Here is the new green quarter. In this particular instance, that is the regional hospital. So a new station serving the regional hospital would not just benefit the town, but it would benefit the entire area. This is a new green town. Same principles again apply. You have high-density core. You have commercial either side. Your family housing is in these villages, somewhat similar to the villages we've just been described. Um, but all of this is permeated by a green series of green wedges, because the green wedges are core. It's essential. Everything that's been talked about today is how do you introduce <coughs> biodiversity, biology, growth, and spirit, indeed, the spirit that one gets from connecting with the nature into a new settlement. And this, this is a core of it. So Tamil Nadu is the southernmost province of, sorry, state of India. And as I say, India is going to be the most populous country in the world very soon. Fortunately, it has a very good railway network, a legacy of years gone by. Um, and we're focusing on this, whoops, sorry, I apologize, this area here, which is called Tirunavelli. And it's a district of about 3 million people. And at the center of it is, whoo, the city of Tirunavelli, which is about half a million. Uh, fortunately, it's at the Junction 4 railway station, so it seemed like a good place to study the issues. Now, this is the current plan that uh, the yellow represents the existing development, and what is proposed is that it should simply expand and swallow up all the surrounding area, which is present use to generate food for the population. 
So we decided to apply connected cities principles to this to see what could be achieved. These are the existing railway stations, um, and fortunately, and these are the peg sheds around them, fortunately, there's not a huge amount of traffic on these railways at present, so there's a big opportunity to use them for local um, transport in addition to the long distance trains. We, at present, the area has been experiencing 15% per decade growth. We studied these ped sheds and decided that if you added five additional new stations with new settlements around them, you could easily accommodate the 15% growth in the past for the, right the way through until 2050. So these represent the, the development you would have to have in order to achieve the same level of growth that they've been experiencing in the past right through to 2050. If you prepare to accept higher densities in these developments, and Indian cities do have very high densities, you can get up to 20 or even higher percent growth within this same city. This is an example of Tarunaveli town. As you can see, the northern part of the peg shed uh, is already developed. This area is a historic centre to the town, and it's being pedestrianised at present. We're proposing a mound to connect it to the new high-density area that would be around the new railway station, or existing railway station, sorry. Um, this is a sister town, similar process applied. Now, one of the features of uh, India, of course, is it has a monsoon, particularly Tamil Nadu. Um, and so, widespread flooding occurs. So, the green wedges we've been talking about, in fact, become green and blue wedges. Uh, and one of the things that's not been happening recently is the traditional way of um, conserving water from the monsoon, keeping it throughout the year, because there's a desperate shortage of it by um, the end of the year. Um, and so we see this as an opportunity to integrate both the green and the blue together and to keep the water. Um, Here's an example of a new settlement. Same principles apply, green wedges, green and blue wedges, um, and again, focused on the new railway station. Because India's growth at present has been taking place in megacities. Uh, Chennai, which is the biggest city within Tamil Nadu, um, had growth at 63% in a decade. <laughs> so I mean, you could imagine the problem that uh, has to be adopted. The great focus of applying connected cities principles is to shift this enormous growth of the megacities to what are called metro cities, which is cities of around about half a million distributed around the country. Because at present, India's urban population is very big and growing very fast, but 30% of India's population still live in rural districts. And so giving them the opportunity to get the benefits of urbanization, but close to their rural homeland, dramatically shifts the stresses that are occurring in Indian society. So how do you deliver this? Right, you start with a railway station, you look for the big towns on the, on the railway line, sorry, the railway line, because you've got to start with a railway line. Um, you choose where they are, you then discover where towns are within 15 minutes travel of these big uh, connected cities. That will leave you gaps between them. You then look at the smaller towns of around about 20,000 population and see what opportunities exist to develop those into connected cities. 
in order to implement this, this federation, this voluntary federation of towns together to create a city, um, requires legislation. Uh, we're proposing a Cities Act of some kind, and this will give these groups power. So they have the opportunity to adopt this Act if they wish to. It's not compulsory, but if they do adopt it, what comes with it are powers of eminent domain, uh, the opportunity, sorry, compulsory purchase, talking American. Um, uh, and the opportunity to secure government-backed uh, loans, um, and also powers to do things like run local transport services, should they wish it. Uh, you need a master plan for your master city, and it has to be worked out fairly thoroughly. You need to know which towns are going to come together. That's fairly easy to calculate. You then need to decide which ped sheds are going to be growing, and then, thirdly, you need to know which uh, new settlements will be located. To kick this process off, seed finance. Uh, at present we are trying to raise, and I trust we will, God willing, um, funding to create a Connected Cities Trust which will kickstart this process, uh, not least by making um, open source tools available to enable people to do the preliminary analysis. Infrastructure finance is essential because you've got, got to be in place first. You're starting with a good railway system and transport system, but it's going to be need upgrading. Um, tax increment finance using land value capture is the idea behind that. Development finance, providing the government back the loans, you can go out to the private uh, sector to get those. With government backing, the private sector is delighted to be there. Long-term finance, what exactly is Philip described, these settlements will effectively be self-financing and they will continue to generate an income long after all the initial work of setting them up has been done. Now, land value capture is currently a very big buzzword. I suggest uh, very strongly that this book, which is produced by um, the World Bank and is available for free download from their website, talks about various different methods in which uh, it can be put into effect. In Hong Kong, in Japan, entire new railway lines are funded by this process of land pooling and using the land value capture. It's an extraordinarily powerful tool, but it comes in many different forms. In South America, they use a series of bonds. Uh, in the UK, uh, it's been used to finance uh, HS1. There are many examples. The book gives a lot of them. To bring this back to the UK, this study shows what potential connected cities there are within the Oxford, Milton Keynes, Cambridge corridor. Um, the speaker who came after me, uh, who's coming after me, uh, actually won this competition, so I'll be very fascinated to see what information they have about it. Um, but it shows that in this, what happens is that, again, the yellow ped sheds are one kilometre circles around existing railway stations. The green represent one kilometre circles around new railway stations, um, but we went to great lengths to try and avoid putting them in floodplains. There's only one in a floodplain and it's up here, um, but that's because we happen to have uh, in our team a group of people who were very, uh, who produced a model whereby they believe they can build in floodplains successfully and economically. Um, but generally speaking, one tries to avoid it, and of course you avoid areas of outstanding national, natural beauty. We have a book about it. Um, it's uh, 
got quite a lot, it's got a lot more information than I've spoken about here, and it also has a lot of detailed case studies, uh, mainly in the UK, but also in the US and other locations. Um, and this is our website. It's available as a free download from the website, or if you wish, you can go to Amazon and purchase it. Thank you very much. Thank you.